Hello and welcome to Sacred Heart Radio. I'm Father Michael Delcom, pastor of our community, and I'm grateful you've joined us today. Before we dive into today's message, I want to thank you for your support. At Sacred Heart, we're super excited about our mission to encounter Jesus and become missionary disciples. None of this would be possible without the incredible generosity and dedication of our supporters like yourself. Whether it's through prayer, time, or financial contributions, you allowed us to carry out our mission and touch the lives of countless individuals. If our ministry has helped you along the way, either with this podcast or with our online streaming, please consider financially partnering with us if you're not doing so already. We want to continue our virtual presence in an ever-challenging world, and your support allows us to do that. You can visit shbrusard.org and click the Give button. There you can find ways to support and partner with us on our mission. Another way to support us in our mission is just to share this content with others. Again, on behalf of our team, thank you for listening today. Let's get to today's content as we grow together. Good morning. We come to the final Sunday of Advent, the fourth Sunday, and the final Sunday of our Advent preaching series on Mary. And throughout this preaching series, we have been journeying towards Christ. We've been journeying towards Him as He comes at Christmas. And throughout these last four weeks, we have also been journeying with Mary, who has been leading us the entire time towards our Lord. In week one, we talked about how there was a problem in creation, that our first parents, Adam and Eve, fell because of their sinfulness. Because of their rebellion against God, there now was a separation between God and man, a chasm that could not be crossed by human means. But God had a plan. He cared so much for us, His creation, that of humanity, that He had a plan to restore us. And that plan involves sending His Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, in the flesh to come to live amongst us, to die for us, to die for our sins, to be offered up as that unblemished lamb to pay the sin debt that our first parents incurred. But for that to happen in that plan, a particular person was needed. And that person was that of the Blessed Virgin Mary. And thus we talked about how she is the handmaid of the Lord. And there's a a double play of the word in English, handmaid. We have the term handmaid that means one who serves. But we also have this term of something being handmade, something being specially crafted. And thus, as we look in the Old Testament, we see this reality that there was objects particular buildings and places that were made for the, a portion of the presence of God to dwell in, on earth. And God gave very particular instructions of height and width and material and how it was to be constructed. And he took that much effort with these particular things that only held a portion of his glory on earth. How much more care, how much more intentionality would he not take with the vessel that would hold the fullness of his divinity in the flesh within the womb of the Blessed Virgin Mary? Would he not take greater care to have this person be handmade, to be special, to be unique in all of human history, unique in all of creation? And that is the reality of the Immaculate Conception that we celebrated on December 8th, that Mary was conceived by a special, singular grace of God, free from original sin that is passed from generation to generation to generation. 
And that singular grace is nothing that she earned by her own merit. It was pure gift flowing from the merits of Jesus Christ, from the reality of the cross. For we have to remember that our God is not a God who moves along in time and space temporally, continuously on a track like we do, but He is eternal, able to see both forwards and backwards, and thus to act. And thus He acts through the cross, which is an eternal moment, going both forwards and backwards with His graces. And thus, the merits of Jesus allow Mary to be preserved from the contagion of sin, to be that unique vessel for him to come into the world. For if she was not, then the debt of sin would be passed to our Lord as soon as he took on flesh. And thus, the second great miracle that we see the uniqueness of the Blessed Virgin Mary as being handmade, that of the virginal birth, that she was, as we hear in the gospel, overshadowed by the Holy Spirit's in a unique way. And in this we see the true paternity of Jesus, that He is from God the Father. And we see His maternity, that He is both fully God and fully man. And with that, if Mary is the mother of Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, the head of the mystical body that is the church, if she is mother of the head of that body, then she must also be mother of that body, that mystical body. And thus in week three, we talked about her motherhood that has been given to all of us, stemming from her motherhood of Jesus. She is mother of the church. And she was there at those pivotal moments of the church's birth at Pentecost. And she was there to nurture and care for and guide it as a mother does a newborn infant in those early days of the church's history. But she is also our mother. She is our mother because she has been given to us as a special grace, as a special gift by her son from the cross. We hear that in the Gospel of John when Jesus goes to the beloved disciple, behold your mother. And to the Blessed Virgin Mary, behold your son. And thus in that case, in that particular moment, John stands in the gap for you and I and every Christian who has been baptized to receive Mary as our mother in a particular way, in an individual way, not just a general. And now that we kind of talked about these theological principles, this theological foundation these last few weeks, we kind of want to shift our focus as just to talk about some misconceptions that people have because a lot of our Protestant brothers and sisters, they don't understand Mary. And even some of us Catholics, after hearing all these things, we're like, well, I'm still on the fence, maybe. One of the first misconceptions that many people have is that we pray to Mary. In a sense, yes. In a sense, no. Put it like this. The church does not pray to Mary. We pray through Mary to Jesus. Because what does Mary do but intercede for us as a mother would intercede for her child? Think about this. If I were to go to any of you and say, pray for this particular person, are you affecting the work that is done in the life of that person? No, you're going to pray to Jesus. But your intercession is going to be powerful because it's going to turn the ear of our Lord towards that communal cry, asking for aid, asking for our Lord to work in our midst. When the people of God cry out in unison, our Lord hears in a particular way. And thus Mary, as, the, as a head of the body, 
in the sense of the church, the community, as a mother, she goes to her son and says, listen to the cries of your brothers and sisters. Listen to the cry of those you have claimed by the victory of the cross. Answer their petitions. Intercession is very powerful because the effects of our intercession are completely dependent upon the works of Christ. No matter how much we pray or anything like that, it's not our prayers, it's the work of Christ in answer to our prayers that happens. And Mary's intercession, the intercession of the saints and of any Christian friend is always dependent upon Christ. And thus when we offer up our prayers to the Blessed Virgin Mary, they're not to her, they're to her son. We're saying, Mary, take this intercession Take this prayer and bring it to your son. We see this reality in that of the wedding feast of Cana, this reality of the Blessed Virgin Mary's intercession for you see this, this bride and this groom who are going to be embarrassed, who are going to have shame brought upon them because they ran out of wine. And what does Mary do? She sees the need and she goes to her son. She says, they have no wine. And Jesus then responds, what does this have to do with me? It's not yet my time. Mary didn't care. She said, you're going to do something. She goes to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Because she believed in the goodness and the generosity of her son, our Lord Jesus Christ. And Mary does not stop at the wedding feast of Cana. She continues to do that unique role of intercessor for us, her children, her adopted children that she has claimed as her own in intercession to her, we say sometimes we don't have the words to bring to our Lord. Maybe we don't have the strength to ask, but just as if maybe we were to approach our Father and maybe we were scared or we didn't know how to ask it, will we not go to our mom and say, hey, can you ask this on my behalf? I know I did that growing up. Mom, can you talk to Dad a little bit about something? I really want to do this. Same way, we go to the Blessed Virgin and say, Mama Mary, can you talk to Jesus for me? I, I, I don't feel like I have the words to say in this moment, but you know how to get his ear. Second misconception many of our Protestant brothers and sisters have is stemming from maybe the one that they see us offering, asking intercession from the Blessed Virgin Mary is that somehow we worship Mary. Well, you Catholics, y'all got, got statues and you got, you got rosaries and these Marian prayers. Y'all seem to pray to her. Y'all got to be worshiping her. No, we do not worship Mary. The church instead honors Mary. We don't worship her. We honor her. We give her reverence for the reality that she is, for the special place she holds in salvation history. Worship is the supreme honor and adoration due to God alone. Even the church has a technical word for that. It's called latria. It's from the Greek. It means worship, actually. And the only one that is deserving or is not sinful to give latria to or worship to is God alone, to Jesus Christ our Lord and to the Holy Spirit, to God the Father. We, however, honor, which is to give respect or reverence. And if our Protestant brothers and sisters say that's wrong, well, why then do we put up statues of individuals from our community that we hold in high regard. Is, not, is that not giving honor and respect? Is that not saying that we respect these values that this individual represented? 
Again, in a similar way, the church realizes that those who have gone before us, our brothers and sisters, our older brothers and sisters, that are the saints. We don't worship them, but we give them the honor and respect that is due that they have been triumphant in this life, that they have won the crown of victory. In the same way, if someone was to do great works in our midst, will we not give them honor and respect and awards and lauds? Will we not do that? It's a similar thing for Mary. Because here's the thing, Mary is worthy of the highest respect and honor that can be given to a human being because of the particular graces that were poured into her. Because of her particular role of carrying God within her womb. Because of the great work she does. In fact, we have a a differentiation. So we we say that uh, there's what's called dulia. That means honor or reverence in Greek. And that's what we give to the saints. That's what we give to people in our society worthy of such honor and respect. But for Mary, we give hyper, hyper dulia, the greatest honor and reverence. So the honor that we give to Jesus and Mary is different in kind. They're wholly different. We even distinguish that in our words that we use theologically. Mary and the saints are only different in degree. It's like on a thermometer, you have the heat. You know know there's a difference in degree between hot and cold. They're both temperatures, right? But you know there's differences of degree. It's the same thing between the saints and Mary, between regular us humans that are still pilgrims on this earth to the saints and to Mary. There are differences of degree of honor and reverence that is given. So we don't worship Mary. But this very special devotion differs essentially from the adoration which is given to the incarnate Son, to the incarnate Word, and equally to the Father and to the Holy Spirit, and greatly fosters our adoration of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They act as navigational beacons of the saints and Mary, guiding us ever closer to our Lord. Now, another area of some misconception or confusion that our Protestant brothers and sisters is Why all these titles for Mary? There seems to be a hundred of them. How do we understand the many titles of Mary then? Well, a title of Mary may describe the place of her apparition, such as Our Lady of Lourdes, Our Lady of Fatima, Our Lady of Guadalupe, Our Lady of Levang, Our Lady of West Jehovah in Poland. These describe geographically where she appeared as an apparition. It may describe a name, a title of Mary, may describe a theological aspect of teaching about her, which is always really a theological teaching about her son, such as Our Lady of the Assumption, Our Lady of the Immaculate Conception. These show us deeper realities about the truth of Christ, with the Immaculate Conception showing that he is truly God and truly man. A title of Mary may describe something from Mary's life, such as the title Our Lady of Sorrows, which describes the pains and sorrows in her heart that she experienced watching her son die for the sins of the world. A title of Mary may describe a symbolism about her, some truth that maybe we know, such as Our Lady, Star of the Sea. That doesn't appear in Scripture anywhere, but what is the Star of the Sea but that of a navigational beacon? Because the sailors have always used the stars to navigate to their home port. In the same way, Mary appears as a navigational star guiding us towards our true homeland, that of heaven, guiding us towards her son, our Lord Jesus Christ, that of our salvation. A title of Mary may describe a virtue about her, such as her immaculate heart, which is poured out for us, 
and always pours out in love towards her son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe with some of these misconceptions, and I know there are many more and I cannot cover all of them, but with some of these, maybe we can now talk about how are we to grow in relationship with Mary? How are we to foster a relationship with her? If we are to have this, if it's been given to us as a gift, then why not enter into it? And these come from our devotions to Mary. And you know, the church with the devotional life, not just to Mary, but in general, the church over time has always formed ways to grow in faith and closer to our Lord. When it sees something in a culture that helps the people of God grow closer to our Lord, it always takes that as a gift from the culture and says, let's formalize this. Let's put it into a nicer packaging to where it can be maybe user-friendly, maybe it could be exported to other cultures to be received well. Examples of these are novenas. I know all of y'all have heard of novenas to the Blessed Virgin Mary, but a novena is, in and of itself is not a Marian devotion, but there are those novenas to Our Lady asking her intercession. Novena simply means nine days. That comes from the reality of the disciples and the Blessed Virgin Mary praying in the upper room for nine days before Pentecost. They were gathered in the upper room praying for nine days. That's the reality of novenas, for example. And the church says this practice of praying as a community together for nine days, this fosters our growth, this helps us. Let us codify this as part of our tradition, as part of our prayer lives. And thus, when particular novenas, and maybe asking Our Lady under a particular title were shown to be fruitful, the church says, okay, we're gonna, this, is, this is a norm now, this is a good thing. This is what we can do together as a community or maybe pilgrimages to a site of Our Lady's apparition, for example. We see conversions happen. How many of you have heard of people who were terrible sinners, drunkards, whatever, going to Our Lady of Medjugorje, for example, and coming back converted? Or going to Our Lady of Lourdes and having some form of healing? Again, these pilgrimages, the church says, these are good things. They help us draw closer to our Lord Jesus Christ. It's the same thing with rosaries and medals to Our Lady. The church says these practices produce good fruit in the life of Christians and thus they must be a gift from our Lord and from Our Lady to help us on our way. For think about this, what is the rosary but that of a meditation upon the life of Christ? Even though it's a Marian devotion, it, with the mysteries... They help us focus upon Christ's life and the realities and the connotations of if we believe this about Christ or the Blessed Virgin, well, then this must be true. These prayers, they help us. Or how many of you maybe know of someone that they were given a miraculous medal and were converted to our Lord? In and of itself, these particular actions, these devotions, these sacramentals, they have no grace or power within themselves. They cannot bestow grace, but they can help us be prepared to receive grace. They can help us be prepared and disposed. I know I've given out miraculous medals and seen powerful things happen in the lives of others. The medal itself, but what it represents, that of the intercession of the Blessed Virgin Mary, of her saying, of giving her saying to Mary, Mary, I give you this person Bring them to your son. And again, these, these things, they don't produce graces themselves, but they can act as a channel 
for grace to come into our lives. In a similar way, Mary does not produce graces. She is full of grace, but that grace is not her own. That grace was given to her. That's why she is full, for she has received grace from God the Most High. And she acts as an aqueduct. Maybe some of the young kids don't know what an aqueduct is. It's a beautiful piece of Roman engineering, a fabulous piece of Roman engineering that allows for water to be transported over long distances. In fact, the aqueducts still provide water to Rome to this day. The aqueduct produces no water unto itself. It cannot produce water. It must be connected to a source for water to flow through it. In the same way, our lady and Marian devotions act as aqueducts that connect us to the source of grace, our Lord Jesus Christ, and allow that grace to flow into our lives just as a Roman aqueduct brings fresh and clean water into the life of a city. It's the same thing for us. And because it's, the source is not in and of itself, it points to the source. You can follow that aqueduct all the way to that spring where the water comes from. In the same way, Mary and devotions and even devotions to the saints, what do they do? But if we follow them, follow them to their source, they bring us and point us towards our Lord Jesus Christ. And this is the beautiful reality that the, even though we've been talking about Mary this, these last four weeks, in reality, we have been brought closer and closer to our Lord Jesus Christ because that's what Mary does. She brings us to the source of her grace. And thus, if there is one thing you take away from this Advent preaching series, it's to not be afraid of encountering Mary, to not be afraid of going to her in intercession, to not be afraid of letting her take you by the hand to our Lord Jesus Christ. Mary is like a mirror. She simply reflects the light that comes from her son, our Lord Jesus Christ, the light of lights that came down into the world, the true light, him who is the source of light. She is like the moon. The moon produces no light. It only reflects the light that the sun gives it. And Mary is like that to her son who is she is like the moon, like a mirror. She reflects the light of Christ into the, light of the, into the life of those who need it most. The saints, they are like stained glass windows who allow the light of Christ to be shown in a better way, to be more visible to us. This is what we have been doing this entire Advent. We have been journeying towards Christ. Whether we knew it or not, Mary has been leading us this entire time to her son, whom we celebrate this evening as he comes in a special way at Christmas.